episode 74 with Amani Roberts from the Amani Experience from corporate to creative and how he left the corporate world, hospitality, hotel industry to pursue his passion and career in the music industry, specifically DJing and creating an entertainment industry. And fascinating how it all came about because uh, sometimes tragic events in life really make us open our eyes and pivot and go for certain things that maybe we were holding ourselves back from. Sometimes, unfortunately, it takes a tragic event as it did for Imani. Uh, the loss of his father suddenly to a heart attack one day. One day he was here, the next day he wasn't. And you hear through the course of our conversation, that was really the turning point in his life that forced him to say, I'm going to go for my dreams. I'm going to pick up and move out to the West Coast and really start pursuing more of my passions. And uh, he did. And he's created himself an entertainment industry, uh, excuse me, an entertainment company. And the company is continuing to grow. And I think he shared with us a lot of insight and a lot of valuable lessons to take away throughout this 30-minute conversation. So really appreciate Imani's time. Check him out in the links in the episode notes. And uh, without further ado, as always, Please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Amani Roberts. The Optimal Life. So uh, you've got your own podcast, which uh, I thought was interesting. It's always nice to connect with our, our fellow podcast community. So uh, to talk about that. How did you start the, the podcast? What made you want to get into it? So one of my goals was to be a thought leader more in the DJ space but more in the creative space. I had a business coach that was sharing different techniques and ideas to do that. A couple were like blogging, vlogging, um, podcasting, professional speaking, and a couple other things. And the podcasting one jumped out to me because I had done one a long time before. And I could always incorporate my original music. I get a chance to meet interesting people and interview them. And then that could also lead to professional speaking. So I kind of took that one and ran with it. And my kind of mission and theme is to talk to people who have kind of followed a similar journey to me, used to work in corporate America or for someone else and decided to leave right. that lifestyle to do something more creative. That's kind of what the genesis of it and how we've gone from there. How long ago did you start the podcast? Beg your pardon? How long ago did you uh, start the, when, when did you launch it? Yeah, uh, like we'll say October 1st, 2017. October, okay, so we launched our podcast pretty much at the same time. Uh, I, la- I launched mine in launch? December of 2017, so we're like two yeah. months apart, yeah. And how many episodes are you up to now? You are number 74. Yes, yeah, and I just finished 84, so that, that makes sense. So we're on a similar trajectory here. Definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's, a fun ex- it's a fun experience. I-, I get a lot of enjoyment, and I just I just get a lot of thrill out of, kind of similar to what you said, talking to people that I find interesting, inspirational, uh, people that I can network with, that I can make additional contacts with. And, and I feel like no matter who I bring on, and tell me if you feel the same, I learn something from every single person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I view each interview is like an individual masterclass with someone else who's kind of an expert in their field. So I just like to ask questions and listen and take notes. Yeah, it's amazing, man. And it's, uh, it's better, it, it's really helped me diversify myself and better myself uh, just getting a chance to talk to all these different people my podcast is is all over the place uh, there's not really one specific category or group of people um, yours is a little bit more narrowly focused on the corporate to creative life 
it sounds like. Um, so I have a chance to talk to people from really a wide variety, but I, I assume you feel the same way in, in terms of oh, yeah. learning and, and getting I mean, a chance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely learning. And, you know, there's always some gray area. If you have five months, you definitely want to interview. They might not fit it exactly. But for the most part, I think exactly. it's a theme which helps people kind of understand. But, you know, it's just good to talk to people and, and hear their stories. I find that very beneficial. It really is. So when you went, take us back to your corporate days. What were you doing in the corporate world? Sales, hospitality sales, especially in the in the hotel industry. Who are you selling to? What what's the sales cycle like? We would be selling to a variety of people. It could be, say, if um, Netflix has a really large group that's coming in, like they're doing a big training meeting, and they're coming to town. They need to find a hotel to host the meeting, and we would sell to them. If you know, if there's a big movie being shot in our city, like in Miami, we we were there. I was there when they were shooting the movie Ali, so they had the crew staying with us. it <laughs> that's that's all you did jeez unbelievable so how old were you at that time when you were in that industry i started uh like 17 or 18 years old as a development i was fortunate enough to become a general manager at age 23 one of the youngest gms in the company and then from there i grew and did sales all the way through my mid to late 20s to mid 30s so I stayed the sales rep from then and just um, had a variety of different jobs in different cities and different hotels. Because in the hotel world, you hop around in different cities and different hotels. You go from like a smaller hotel to a bigger hotel to a convention hotel. And then when I got to be director of marketing, I went to a little bit smaller hotel and grew from there. And you're probably, I would imagine, uh, involved at, at, at some of the big corporate events or the personal weddings or parties that are being thrown at the hotels. I'd imagine you were part of that throughout your course of, of that part of your career. Definitely. If, if the staff needed assistance, we were there. If we had to host clients overnight, we were there. If we had, it could be as much as if we had a really large group in-house and say they break at 1130 and we need to turn the room from theater style of 400 to banquet style to 400, we'd be up there moving tables and, and 
moving chairs to help out the staff. So we were in it. Wow. That's the one thing about a hotel and hospitality is that, you know, if there's no one else to do it, you have to look in the mirror and get it done. So we would, we would do that as well. And it's just um, a really immersive environment, but I loved it. I mean, that's what I grew up in. So, you know, I have a special place in my heart. Now, were you, were you always interested in music throughout your whole life, or how did that come about? I grew up playing the saxophone, so I grew up playing the saxophone in middle school and then in high school in the jazz band, so I did that, and then in college, I kind of stopped playing the saxophone because I focused on like soccer and academics, but then I, I went and saw a DJ, DJ Bismarck E, when I was a senior in school, and that's when I realized he just had an amazing set that night, and that's when I realized that I wanted to be a DJ. Now, initially, I thought that being a DJ wasn't a legitimate career. You couldn't earn a living and grow from that. I was wrong. I found that out later in life. So I went and kind of continued to pursue the corporate route, working out with Marriott, but I always kind of kept DJing in the back of my mind. So whenever I was in different cities, I would go and look at the DJs and kind of watch and see what kind of music they played, whether it be Miami, Chicago, Dallas, and then L.A. And then once I got out here to L.A., it really kind of um, got into my soul, so to speak, more, and I decided to go for it after I'd been out here for a year. So, like, when you were at, when you were working in the corporate, and you're the guy, you're the marketing guy, you're the relationship manager, yada, 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 and you're at these events, and you're enjoying the music, enjoying the, the energy from the, from just being a part of the actual party itself, did you start having thoughts like, wow, I'd like to kind of, that's kind of more my speed, or... What's your thought process at that point? You know, when I was in corporate America, working at hotels and doing events, I I still kind of underestimated the possibilities that I could actually pursue that as a career. So I didn't really pay it much attention in terms of applying it to be like I can do that. I, it really was once I got out here and started to see things and, and get exposed to people who were doing it at a higher level and actually talking to them that I the light bulb, the light switch pretty much flipped on. I was like, oh, I can really do that. And so it took me a long time to come around to the idea that it could actually happen. And I really have to kind of say it really started to become evident when I was living here in L.A. Wow. That Los Angeles, that, 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 the aura of Los, the, that aura of Los Angeles would do that to people, huh? <laughs> it just gives yeah, you hope, like, I guess. Yeah, I find that California in general, specifically Southern California, then you have Silicon Valley, Northern California, just the mindset and the encouragement, if you have a idea or an entrepreneurial dream to kind of go for it, I find that based on my experience living across the country, that here it's, it's more encouraged than anywhere else I've lived, and so that's what kind of happened to me once I arrived. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah, I, I'm just... so. I'm just trying to get into your mindset. You're in corporate world because I, I find this type of stuff fascinating. There's so many people that there's so many people that are stuck, that are doing things that they don't like to do, that are unhappy in their careers. Obviously, I would say a vast majority of people are in that in that boat, and um, a lot of them are creative people, but they've gotten stuck. I mean, so going back to where you were. It doesn't sound like you were miserable by any means, but but maybe you can dig into that for us a little bit. Did you have feelings like you were unfulfilled, or there was something else? Give us give us a little bit more about what your mental state was when you were doing the corporate stuff. I think that once I got to be the regional director of sales and marketing, which is like my final job with Marriott, I started to be and be responsible for more presentations. 
documents, PowerPoints, meetings, spreadsheets, and I that didn't appeal to me at all. That um, I love being with people, helping people grow, seeing them succeed. That kind of motivates me, and so I just kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, this is not not the answer. There's got to be more. And when you add on to that, that I, you know, maybe three or four years before, or yeah, by the time I got out here, it was like four or five years before I lost my father suddenly, he passed away suddenly, and that shook me up. And so the combination of having this job where I wasn't really pleased, doing spreadsheets and meetings, and then getting a very big and sudden reminder that tomorrow's not guaranteed, I think those mm. two events really kind of woke me up and, and drove me to select something different to try to pursue that was more fulfilling. Because as you know, you know tomorrow's not guaranteed, so I figured That's powerful. It's interesting how sometimes it takes a tragic event in our lives to make us realize or to make us pivot and go another direction. And go another. So your father passed uh, uh, unexpectedly. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah thank you. Unexpectedly. And, and, you know, for people who have been through this, it, you don't really get over it ever, first of all. You don't get over right. it ever. But it takes you a while to kind of get back on and get focused and just kind of get back on the bike, so to speak. So it took me a good three, four, five years to really kind of get through the fog and the haze a little bit. You know, it's still crazy now. It's, you know, it's been many years. And that was that was when I was able to kind of be like, okay, I want to try this, move to California, try this out. Because, you know, I've had this idea in my mind since How did, how did he pass, if you don't mind? Oh, it was, he had a heart attack in his sleep. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, you guys, you get the, you, know, you, you get a phone call, who do you get a phone call from in something like that? Actually, so I was at work, it was the next day, and my brother sent me an instant message saying, you need to come home right now, dad won't wake up. And that's how I got started to fight through traffic. I think it was probably one of the longest 35 minutes of my life, wondering what had happened, what I was going to do. And so by the time I got there, you know, it was definitely obviously too late. And then from there, you have to notify relatives, family, plan a funeral. Like, this, it was just crazy. Oh, I was you know, my worst enemy. Wow. But just having to deal with that, you know, was, was just a huge, massive undertaking. Yeah, and then it, it kind of, uh, like you said, it becomes a very foggy state of mind for a long time. I mean, I'd imagine those first few months especially. I mean, I know you're saying yeah. it, it never goes away. It's years in the making, but... Those first few months, I mean, how, how do you get anything done, productive, right? Yeah, no, you, I was fortunate I had really close friends and family that were around to kind of help each other get through it, but you know, it's, it, I know it's very cliche, but you just try to take things like day by day, step by step, and just try to, you know, finish off the day and, and get mm. better slowly, and then eventually some of the fault will, will lift, but it, it, it was not easy, it was a very tough time, personally, for me, but, um, Mm-hmm. I was able to kind of survive and persevere and keep going. And yeah, it, it's interesting. To... Yeah, I just wonder, I wonder, based on that, I wonder, had that terrible thing not happened to you, do you think you would be in this position you are professionally today? I would have to say probably not because I was, you know, no fault at I was probably very naive, just kind of cruising along, just didn't think about, you know, how life could take a pivot or make a turn. And I was kind of cruise control. Like, you know, I wasn't necessarily the 
happiest, you know, with life. But I was good. I thought that, you know, you work for a company forever and all that. And this, it just completely turned my world upside down. So I don't think I would, I think it might have taken me even longer. Something else would have had to happen for me to have a wake-up call. I'll say that. Wow. That's powerful. That's yeah. very powerful, man. That's very powerful. I, I think there's a lot to be learned from that. Unfortunately, most people probably need uh, uh, a tragic change in their lives, a tragic event to, to make a change for for their own selves. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know yeah. why that is. I don't know what it. What? I think, yeah. I think that we just kind of. It's not like we're living naive, but it's kind of like we are living naive. Like we just don't know. We don't have any understanding or perspective of what life can bring us when it you know when we when it brings us a event that's not unexpected and, and tragic I think that that just kind of opens up a different side of your personality of your psyche so then you're kind of you're not really looking back but you're always like well this happened once it could happen again I don't want to have to get to this point again and have any more regrets like you always wish you would have said something to someone before they passed away or that like I don't want to wish that I had done this job or tried to go for this um, job or I should have written a book or sung a song. Exactly. I guess it's just something that kind of unlocks you, that, that kind of just takes down the walls and, and naivete and just kind of pushes you to go go, go for it. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's nothing worse, and I've talked about this before with many people, there's nothing worse than you're sitting on your rocking chair at 80 years old and, and you're sitting back and you're saying, I wish I would have. And you've got you've got a laundry list of things, and yeah. you, you, yeah, I mean, you know. There's been surveys and interviews done with people kind of on their deathbed, and that's one of the main things. It's like I wish I would have kept in touch with these people. I wish I would have done something different or tried a different career or I mean, focused less on money. I mean, it's very common people on their deathbed when they share what they wish they would have done. You know, these things, spending time with friends, trying new careers, going for things, taking risks, it's like up there at the top of the list. Oh, no, no doubt, and, and just real life experiences. The material things, they give you happiness for a brief moment, and that's it. They don't fulfill you. You know, it's yeah. those it's those real life interactions, experiences, connecting with people, like you said. Uh, those are the things that that really matter when you look back. And that's 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 what you're. That's kind of what you did, and you took a leap of faith. You went out to the West Coast, or you went out to uh, where? Where were you leaving, living before Los Angeles? I was back in D.C. Then I had returned back, and, you know, it's funny how things work, but I had returned back in 2001. I think my dad passed away in 2004, and so I had, you know, three years there with them, and so just somehow, way, I wanted to go back. It was in my gut, so I went from Miami to D.C., spent, you know, the last three years there with him, and then I stayed three more years in D.C. after that happened until I was, like, finally strong enough to say, okay, let's try to move again, and so that came out here in 2007, so it's been almost 12 years now. Wow, so you get out to Los Angeles, you're trying to figure it all out again. Uh, your life has, you've changed obviously over the prior few years. And what, what do you do to start getting into this deep world of DJing? How does that all unfold? Initially, my first entry into DJing is that I had a friend who I met through a gaming league and he taught me about podcasting because I had a dream that when I grew up, I wanted to be like a slow jam DJ at nighttime and play the love song, the dedication. So he helped me start a podcast that did exactly that. Then after I started that podcast, I then started to self-teach myself how to DJ and got a few gigs at bars and clubs around the area where I live. 
when you're going through that, is there ever any part of you that's looking back and going, "What? Where the hell am I? What am I doing?" Like, I, I was in I was in the hotel industry, and how did I end up here? Does that ever cross your mind? It's funny you ask that. Not really. The, the one thing that would cross my mind was that I would always kind of wonder. I wonder what took me so long to get here because this is obviously where I need to be. Ah. I just wonder what took me so long to get here because this all makes sense and it's all working and, and you know even though there were some tough times I was going through it it made sense and it was working and I was just like what took me so long to get here but then I have to remind myself that everything happens as it should and so obviously it was, it was supposed to take me a little bit longer to get there when you then if you're looking at someone some of my younger classmates who are like 20, 21, 18 years old going through this they're so young right. but for me it took me a little bit longer and then as a result I found that I just wanted it more I had been through enough of life to understand that these opportunities are rare so when you get it and you get a chance to learn and go for it you're not going to quit you're just going to keep at it and practice and go for it so I think the fact that it took me longer actually made me want it more just hungrier in general and also more resilient as well yeah the life experience you can't put a value on that it's uh it's invaluable for sure so you're going through it and and so you're you're saying that it just felt different to you it just felt like this is this was like your soul you felt it definitely yeah like it's like i had arrived i'm like wow this is kind of you know it makes sense it feels good this is what i should be doing like i just want you know kind of stay on this train for as long as i can nice Nice. So you you did that did that, and then how does the branding? How does the the business that you start creating? How does that all start to blossom? So they they taught us many things about branding and kind of uh, perform performing and starting to grow your business there. And then I combined that with my knowledge that I had from working at Merit and working the corporate life. So I had a lot of great skills that I had acquired there, whether it be branding, whether it be accounting, forecasting customer relations, so I was able to kind of mold the two, kind of create my own brand, and then from there, just slowly but surely building it and growing it because, you know, I started off charging a much lower rate than I charge now, doing kind of parties and different things, and now I do bigger events, and you just kind of grow, then I added more networking, more advanced networking organizations to my um, portfolio, and it started meeting higher level people as well, and then... I kind of added back in. I used to be a really big reader when I was younger, and I kind of fell off. And then maybe once I started to um, get more into the entrepreneurship life, I started reading more books about people that had gone before me, try to learn from them. So it's just like you're adding all these little building blocks that help me improve as a person, help me grow my business. And then, as you know, just take it day by day and try to grow and and grow the business year over year Um, because there's no such thing as overnight success so you know you have to put the work and the time in and you start to get signs that things are working like you could get a big booking here that you know kind of you know helps you raise your prices or you could you know have a good article written about you here get a leadership position in an organization and then you just kind of continue to use that as motivation and keep growing and building and learning and that kind of brings you know us pretty much all the way until today yeah long story short so what, 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 give us one of those moments, like when you're going through it, what's one of that, what's that, what's one of those moments that you look back and you, and that's when you realize, oh, okay, I've arrived and I, I, I'm at, I'm at a higher level now than I was even just a year ago. Do you, do you remember any of that? Oh, definitely. I remember a few, you know, definitely graduating the first time from Scratch Academy. 
was really important just because, you know, that program is hard. I, I had gone to the final class once before and I had not passed by two points. So the fact that I was able to stick with it, repeat that last class, get one of the highest scores ever, um, that was a very big kind of aha moment. How much time did you have to put in? Sorry to interrupt you. How much time did you have to put in? How much time did you have to put in to to study for that again? It was another say three months. So another three wow. months. I had to get some special lessons. And you know, many people that had come before me and after me would just quit after that. They picked their ball and go home, or they still couldn't pass. So it took an extra three months because uh, my peers that I had been in my classes with, many of them had passed. So you know, you're not supposed to compare yourself. But you know, it was like I was falling behind them and all that. That was one. I think also, I'm not sure if you're a football fan or a soccer fan, but I actually had a chance to DJ the wedding for Zach Ertz from the Eagles and Julia Johnson from the women's national soccer team. They got married out here. I was the DJ for the wedding. That was a really big aha moment because it was at the Macar Resort in Santa Barbara, high end. It was just an amazing event. It went well. That was a really big moment also. Um, and then I'm very active in meeting professionals international, the Southern California chapter. And so you do a lot of volunteer work. I do it to kind of raise the profile of my brand, but also give back to the chapter members and the community. And I think last year it was when I was awarded chapter leader of the year. That was another big moment just because you know the work you're doing is being recognized. And so it's always good to get recognition from your peers, especially in like a community organization. So that was a big one. Um, and then another one, kind of going in reverse chronology, is that once I graduated the first time from scratch, it was like 2013. I would say it was like uh, June, it was like June or July, and then I got my first big residency in Venice Beach here in California, and I think I got that in like December of that year. So uh, fortunately, four, four months after I got a residency where I played there every Friday, so like a primetime night, they booked me there, and, and, it, and I had that for a good like three years. I'm still there, but now I've scaled back to only two weekend nights a month. That was another big one because you know, you get a residency at a popular bar or club in LA, that's that's something very good for your DJ resume. So those are kind of the three or four I know I asked for one, but I <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, I actually uh I actually was in the uh, sports agent industry for a few years after law school and I represented NFL players uh for a few years after law school. So I'm very familiar with NFL, football, sports. Um so is that the reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl? Because you were the one, the DJ at Zach's? Yeah, uh, yeah that's that's the reason, huh? Exactly, because, yeah. you know, that was the, the year after they got married, he won the Super Bowl. <laughs> there you go, there you go. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, so tell us exactly, nuts and bolts, we kind of have an idea. You DJ and you have this this entertainment uh, company. What? It, it, give us the elevator pitch. Who is or what is the Imani Experience? The Imani Experience is a boutique luxury DJ company that will DJ your party or event anywhere in the world. We always ensure that music is the focus, you'll be happy, and that if you want the dance floor to be packed, it'll be packed. If you want people to just enjoy the music, that will happen as well. And that's what we are. We provide musical experiences, whether it be through parties, a team building enrichment activity, or if you want an individual or group DJ lesson, we just provide memorable musical experiences. And I also saw that you guys or that you've done some post-production or some remix material for c celebrities, is that right? Definitely, so also I am a remix partner, so we remix artists, we've released two EPs, we just released one in January, and so if you know, there are artists out there that want their work remixed or 
some of the celebrities that you've done that for? We've done a remix for Camila Cabello, Kehlani, the Funk Hunters, Nia, um, let me think here, Girl Crush, Little Big Town, um, and so we continue to nice. four or five of the biggest artists we've done so far. Oh, that's fantastic, yeah. man. That's fantastic. What about people that are listening uh, that, that are in the similar situation? They're stuck, they're in a rut, they're doing something that they don't necessarily see themselves doing for the rest of their lives uh, they have an itch what, what kind of advice do you give to those people I would I would advise them to try to find some virtual mentors in terms of people who might have been in a similar position to them but have done it before so they don't have to meet these people but they, they'll be around they will have a book an autobiography they'll have a podcast find some virtual mentors that you can start to familiarize yourself with listen to them understand their story second I would advise them to get a you know a, a strong tribe of people that will be there to support them give them feedback maybe tell them what they need to hear when they don't want to hear it as well so a strong tribe around just to kind of someone people can help lift you up and take you to new levels and then I always encourage people to just you know read more and you know, either you're reading books or listening to books because that's where you can learn about people who've come before you and see what they've done and just you know emulate their steps with your own twist on it but if you read about how someone, if you want to be a photographer and you read about, you know, a famous photographer's journey and their story, they definitely have been felt stuck at some time and they definitely had to get through some trials and tribulations, some tough times. So if you can understand their story, see how it applies to you and use that as motivation and inspiration to go for it, I think those are three kind of effective strategies. But definitely don't stay being stuck. Do something to change it because, as we've discussed, you know, life is too short. Yeah, you got it, man. That is beautifully said. That is beautiful. If you said Amani Roberts, the Amani Experience, uh, you've got a, a growing entertainment company. You've got a podcast. Where do you what what, what do you, where do you see if you look in your crystal ball? What do the next five ten years look like for you? Let's see here, five to ten years, like definitely. Um, you know, I see like a, a Grammy remix nomination in the future. I see us doing um, music, original music, and music production for movies. And just DJing all over the world. I want to be able to set DJ in each continent. So, you know, I've got five left. So I've got North America, I've got South America. So five or six continents left, if, if that's what you're saying, the scientists say. And then um, just continue to work and give back to the community. I'm also like a professor at Cal State Fullerton, so I do that. So I love that. That kind of gives me good balance and working with the kids and the youth. So just kind of continuing along the pace that I'm at right now. I'm at a really good place right now. Just growing the DJ company, teaching and doing the remixes and growing that. I can see that continuing while I'm still staying healthy and enjoying what I'm doing. Hey, man. Uh, awesome story. And uh, I will continue to check out some of your more of your podcasts. It is uh, The Amani Experience. Is that right? Yes, it's The Amani Experience Podcast. You can find it on like Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, whatever platform you like to listen on um, podcasts on. It's there. And then you can always follow me on social media. It's just at Amani Experience. And I post up all my new episodes and other podcasts I listen to. And so just, you know, send me a message. I'll always respond to you. And it's been awesome. a pleasure to be on the show. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, man. I know it's been a little hectic trying to connect, but uh, better late than never. Thank you so much for your time tonight. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Definitely.
Thanks, Amani. Have a good night.